The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water, your environment that you choose to live in, that's changing, and your health. Every week, When we have this show, it is exciting because you're learning in your classroom, in our own little laboratory, with some of the most exciting people, persons across the United States and soon the world, to give you an opportunity to think. Learn to be proactive and stop to think. I'm Sharon Kleina, offering you an opportunity to save your own life as you're learning the ecosystem of maybe protecting other people's lives. If you're healthy, others will be healthy around you. The environment is more than we've been learning. It's not just because of polluted air and recycling uh, containers and and, uh, thinking about uh, saving energy. It's you, the person. It's like a lot of our scientists have said. We, the people living on the earth, can affect each other and affect the atmosphere, the earth itself, because of how you choose to personally want to live. So my show each week is getting involved in a team effort, all of us, like a club, learning worldwide, the planet, the earth, the universe. How do you want to live here? And can you extend your life and be healthy? It's really interesting when you stop to think very deep, very seriously, that if you get up in the morning and touch your feet on the ground and begin to live your life that day with personal choices of wanting to you personally drink a lot of water, well, if you're made up of mostly water, of course you should be drinking a lot of water. Don't say you're a camel. You are a walking sponge. Each one of us came to this earth from a water bag within our mother, entered in the air we breathe. We were meant to be drinking a lot of water to detoxify. The cells have to have it. Then we're living in a fluid of water, the moisture in the air you can't see. It's called fluid. One of our scientists, I was just thrilled to hear him say, fluid. It's moisture we can't see, but it's also causing a dehydration because indoor living is a pit, not just inside of an airplane. Indoors, insulated windows, walls. Forced air, heating, and cooling. Chemistry indoors is worse than outdoors. Drink a lot of water. There's a lot to learn from our guests, and we've got a lot of exciting guests throughout the year. And we will each week try to provide you what you want to learn about how you can be better educated. Now, something I'm going to remind you today about before we go to our first guest is the population of the world. The population grew in one week 
of 1,476,853 people. That's how many people are on the face of the globe living in this universe and affecting each other. We are together as a family planet. Living longer is exciting, and we are uh, giving birth every day to new people, new life, to live on this earth together. So remember, learn to live better and live longer. You can do it. It's because of better education than our forefathers have had. Education, education. Remember, learn to study. Don't just take a, be, have an opinion. Study everything you've heard that's interesting to you. Don't make an opinion. Don't make a statement. I truly believe this. Before you go study it, do your road work. Get both sides. Learn as much as you can. Our health insurance issues are coming up. And it's very important to you living longer and being healthy. Study all the issues. Study all about it. The United States of America has one of the greatest health programs in the world. Choices to be made. You get to make a choice today. So think about that and learn that. We have the flu coming. It's been here every year forever. 36,000 people have passed away with the flu. But we have, they think, an epidemic starting in the fall with H1N1 swine flu. Drink a ton of water like your life dependent upon it and somebody else. Learn to detoxify with lots of water. Also eat fresh fruit, seasonal fruit. Wash your fruit well. Fresh vegetables, green, dark green vegetables. Digest your food. Change your bedding once a week. Be smart. Take a choice and be environmental with your personal health. Then you will also be adding uh, a new, a new uh, environmental concern to personal environmental lifestyle. Your choice is to be a healthier person within your choices. In other words, that means drink water, drink water, eat right, sleep right, change your bedding. Um, don't uh, sip on somebody else's glasses, a glass of water or anything else. Be safe. Be environmentally chic about yourself. It'll be a lot of fun, too. Today we have Sonia Lunder, who is from Colorado. She's a senior analyst in environmental working group, helping consumers avoid toxic exposure to certain chemicals. And, and uh, you're going to have a lot of fun on this one. I don't think we could possibly learn enough from Sonia because she's dedicated her life. And I've read about her, and she is really learning a lot to teach us about what is happening in our own environment for our safety reasons. Then we're going to have our second guest, is Art Bernstein, the naturalist that we have on quite often that writes about nature. And today we're going to discuss the, the Trinity Alps uh, Wilderness in California, which is one of his favorite topics. And I think he's written a book about it. We're going to, talk to, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural way to supplement the eyes because dry eyes are caused because the air is dry. Chemicals, eye drops, do not add moisture. They trap it, but they don't add the supplement of additional moisture. We're going to listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Sonia. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Sonia, are you with us? Hello, good morning. I want to thank you for joining us. I was really looking forward to this uh, because you have been dedicating to your life, I might tell the listeners you have a master's degree in health education, and you might tell our audience just about about your background. So as you're talking and we're um, uh, trying to create a new classroom here for our listener on environmental lifestyles, uh, what your background is about. Hi, I've been working in this field for more than a decade, and my um, my academic background is a master's in public health with a focus on environmental health sciences and toxicology, mm-hmm. risk assessment, and really focusing on toxic chemical exposures, um, mm-hmm. and particularly the risks to children. Mm-hmm. worked at Environmental Working Group for about six years now. Oh, okay. Maybe seven. And I'm Now, let's doctor. explain to them... Um, you know, Sonia, there's been a lot, I, and it, well, this is the reason I wanted to do the show, is there's a lot of, people are confused, and I don't know who, care who you are, where you're at. It could be Einstein today would be confused. There is so much disgust without getting down to common sense of what people can do every day and slowly. It's kind of like, Sonia, when you in the business world, we have to write a business plan. And in your business plan, you do things phase by phase by phase. You accomplish one thing, you go to the next one. In the environment, people, it's all constant information, but not understanding environment for health reasons, uh, individually proactiveness. And I believe that people have to make a choice, that if they're walking on this earth, that they decide what they want to do for their personal health um, every day. So you've been involved in health sciences and the environment. What is the connection with health science and the environment in your definition? The connection is that, um, you know, we are products of the environment in which we live. And so um, at first it may seem surprising, but it becomes more obvious that chemicals that are used in our environment to create food packaging or pesticides or other um, even fire retardants and things put into carpets find their way into our body and have, um, you know, can linger in our body tissues for quite a long time. So we're an interplay. We are what we eat, but we're also the air that we breathe. Exactly. That, Did um, you hear me mention um, myself, and I've been in research for over 30 years now, cutting the air and uh, the concerns and the lack of, and some of you have this thing, uh, I teach this. The moment you were born, you left a pocket of water, you entered in the air, you breathed at that second. 
you became a suction cup to the air, and the body has to have a constant fluid of moisture in the air to give you like a protection, immunity protections. If it doesn't, if it's too dry, too many chemicals, it will cause a de- severe dehydration. And because there's no two eyes alike, no two skins on the complexion alike, no two fingerprints alike, and more, Sonia, we don't know what's affecting each other, ourselves. Everybody is different. And that's why people, when they take a medication, they're not sure if that's affecting them because somebody else is taking it. No end of other people are taking it, not being affected. But one person taking it could have it be affected by the chemistry. So you're saying that... Uh, the fire retardants in uh, fabrics, and I'm saying also and more fabrics in the clothing you're wearing and, and the chemistry in the air indoors, I'm saying that is, to me, Sonia, a pit. So what is your feeling? Well, it's very general, difficult to discuss. I mean, one thing when we talk about medications, we know that they actually are studied to make sure that they have the target effect. And, um, a target effect, you said. You know, the, the reason in other words, how many people... Medication, what, we're, what we think about in environmental health and in environmental mm-hmm. working group is the dozens or hundreds of other chemicals that enter your body at the same concentration as medications, which aren't studied. Or the fact that, um, you know, with medications, if you have an adverse effect, there's a clear place to call and system that, you know, is arguably successful to try to track down side effects and to try to understand the mm-hmm. fact that people do respond differently However, with environmental right. chemicals, you know, you just they may be magic. related to lifetime risks. Um, you know, changing changing the way your body responds to other um, nutrients or chemicals in your environment, and and more subtle effects that aren't going to be the thing that the person um, who's been affected would even notice, and and nowhere for them to turn in terms. Now, of... Now, you just said had two of them there. Stuff. Number one, I'm going to start out with one that's fascinating. You're the first one who used the word target testing. Target. When they're targeting today to go out and get approval to do something, what do you think they're thinking when they target? What do, how do we teach our uh, um, listeners? What does the word target testing mean? Um, uh, we're, uh, you're, I am, we were talking about medications yeah, but you were designed to specifically affect a certain yeah. part, a disease or there a go. certain type of function in the body. And what I am here today to talk about is environmental chemicals, which may be designed to affect the insect, the pesticide that is sprayed on the crops, or the fire retardant that's put into the, the padding so what, that what you has sit on, or the water bottle, uh, the bisphenol A that's used to make water bottles. Yeah. And we're, what we focus on in the organization where I work is the fact that those um, designed uses, those consumer products and the chem- industrial chemicals that are designed for a particular use may enter your body and may have unintended effects. And, and What do you think they did to test that at all? Did they ever do any type of testing on it whatsoever on the chemistry used in plastic, the chemistry used in fabrics, and the chemistry used in uh, pesticides? Did they ever do any type of testing to get Well, it's it? incredibly hard to generalize um, a, a, about hundreds of different chemicals. If I, we are here to talk about bisphenol A, a chemical that's a backbone in polycarbonate plastic. We actually know that in the 1930s, um, it was found to have pharmaceutical effects on the body's hormone system, and um, it was. And people were actually looking at using that mm-hmm. as uh, artificial hormone, and decided to use DES, a well-known um, 
a kind of disaster in the environmental health history um, instead. But, but since the 1930s, it's been known that this chemical has an effect on the human body hormone system. And now, um, in, that's in pretty your... rare to have had that early of an inkling that, um, you know, we didn't know much about the body's hormone system. We didn't know much about industrial chemicals. We were still um, back in the dark ages with respect to lead and some other very well, um, you know, known toxins. When we're talking about, you know, I mean, I think that BPA would be an unusual example because we have, you know, um, those decades of, of knowledge that have been unheeded. I'm going to ask you about that. Um, I'm, I've been studying for 30 years, and when I go back and look at what they were learning, why didn't the government's guidelines, because those are the scientists, there's more scientists in the government understanding these issues because they're paid by the people to, for protection. And uh, that's, that's the taxpayer, and people pay the government to do certain, have different uh, agencies to, do, to study. Uh, what do you think what happened for them not to pick up on it quicker? to understand some of these pollutants in, in formulations and uh, packaging components and pesticides. And what do you think happened? There was just too much mass happening, too many things growing too quickly? Well, there are a lot of things happening. Um, when we talked about lead exposure, mm-hmm. it was very rampant in the early part of the century. And actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's incredible pressure by the lead-producing in- industries not to phase out common uses in gasoline and in paint um, but once that happened and the, the the evidence grew and it was not able to be ignored, we saw that there was an incredible reduction of lead in the environment and incredible benefits to children's health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a slow process of science and, and really making the case for evidence, but there's also in many cases, um, you know, we're countering some resistance by manufacturers who say, you know, does smoking really cause cancer and, and protract that argument? I mean, we see it with global warming. Um, you know, these these you know, the interference that's posed by, by polluting industries in many cases. That said, you know, the body's hormone system or, or children's neurodevelopment, these are incredibly complex subjects. And so there is also this slow pace in which we're realizing that low levels of air pollution during pregnancy actually Let's go to, uh, uh, we've got a couple of minutes before I break. Uh, uh, lung development, or yeah. we'll see that, um, you know, mom's, Air pollution exposure during pregnancy is linked to miscarriage. These are just honing in on the more sensitive mm-hmm. outcomes of the science and, and really just learning from the world around us. Yeah. We have a moment before our uh, sponsor comes on, but when we come back, let's discuss the pesticide um, uh, situation, what is happening there, and we'll, we'll teach our listeners what some of the issues are and what some of the safe foods are and some of the ones that they need to really learn how to protect themselves from. Um, and is that an, one of the subjects you'd really like to talk about today? Sure. Okay. Well, listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Nature's Tears I Miss, the natural method of, uh, I'm sorry, the natural method of applying moisture to the eyes without eye drops, which is a chemistry. Nature's Tears I Miss is all 100% natural. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Sonia, I wanted to ask you about pesticides. Is that something that you've been studying? Yes. Okay, tell us about, uh, I guess there's the dirty dozen, and then there's the thir- clean. Uh, 15. What is a dirty dozen? What does that mean? Well, Environmental Working Group is really focused on getting consumers the information they need to understand environmental problems and to make good choices about the foods and the consumer products that they purchase and consume. And so one thing we've done for quite a long time is gather data on the pesticide residues in commercial produce, and this is not organic produce. This is the kind grown conventionally, and we really focus on how much of those pesticide residues are left on the product when you buy it, wash it, bring it home, and are getting ready to eat it. And we've pointed out 12 products that have the most pesticides, both the most number of pesticides and the most um, you know, volume amount left on them when they get to your table. Now, recently they had an article reported that organic foods are not what people are really understand what they are. What is the education definition between organic and other foods that are not labeled as organic? Can you explain that to the listener? Um, organic foods that are certified organic have to comply with federal standards, mm-hmm. not using pesticides, artificial fertilizers, um, irradiate, not being irradiated. There's a there's a whole bunch of criteria. So you said both not the health being of the, um, you know, the plants that in the ecosystem that reduce workers' exposure to toxic pesticides, the environmental burden that these pesticides and fertilizers pose, as well as providing a healthier product to this. Now, when you said not being irradiated, that has nothing to do with pesticides or chemicals? No, it, it, it actually, yeah, this, the organic standard is pretty comprehensive and it deals with many different environmental factors um, and disallows certain types of processing. That said, the Dirty Dozen list that Environmental Working Group put together includes peaches and apples, um, some vegetables like bell peppers, celery, and um, it's downloadable from our website, foodnews.org. And it can, for people who can't afford to buy all organic or who don't have access to all organic food, can really point you to those crops that you would specifically want to avoid buying conventional. And then on the flip side, we also talk about the Clean 15, which are um, conventional crops that are grown in a way so that there is not a lot of pesticide residue left on them when they get to you. This is putting aside the fact that, you know, we also support you buying organic food for the environmental benefits and for the fact that we're, it, it keeps workers from having to use these toxic chemicals. I'm going to ask but you there are products like onions, avocados, uh-huh. sweet corn, 
um, some tropical fruits. Now, like why are they not? Why are they not? Um, um, just here, let me let me get through the yeah, list. Yeah, I was going to say the listener is listening and they'll have questions. Yeah, and you're and moving we pretty can quick. Talk about them in um, one wanting to ask you, what is the difference between why? Maybe this is you can answer this too. Uh, but why are it, it? Is it the fact that the the fruits and those different ones are have the pesticides more than uh, the certain vegetables? Is there a reason? Well, we have fruits and vegetables on both sides of the list: the good list and the bad list. Oh, okay. Um, oftentimes, you know, this data represents what's happening when it gets to the consumer and is about to be eaten. So, something like a banana. A mango or pineapple, where you actually are always removing the skin, uh-huh. might be one of the reasons that it has lower residues because you're taking off that outer layer. Mm-hmm. Whereas peaches and apples, celery, mm-hmm. bell pepper are um, they're higher water intensity. Maybe they're more vulnerable crops. The you know big sweet peach sitting there on a limb mm-hmm. is more of a target for a pest um, than maybe mm-hmm. uh, something that is um, cabbages have natural defenses in them that make them more pest resistant. So. There's a lot of different factors at work, but what we are trying to do is hone in on a shopping guide for people who want to to do what they can to reduce the amount of pesticides that they're eating in their diet. And we found that by shopping on, following just these guidelines would reduce dramatically the amount of, um, of pesticides that a person would ingest during the day. Now, what are they learning about the pesticides? Are people starting to change the... Um, uh, I, I understand what pesticides mean... Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to use myself as an example. Uh, we have an enormous gr- amount of grounds over here that are all under a lot of flowers and shrubs and things and in season, Sonia, uh, the uh, snails and the slugs and the uh, earwigs and all of these types of different insects come around and eat them a lot, all these plants just up. Um, and then I imagine, and when I travel, Sonia, through the state of California and the beauty of our farmers, the farmers that give their lives to make sure we have something on the table and their hard work, uh, they can wake up one morning and have an enormous problem just because of nature happening, the nature of this planet. So have they any alternatives uh, to make sure that we have food on the table to fight the, the problems of um, insects and and nature, nature's happening. Well, I think that growth in the organic sector, the amount that the fact that more and more organic food is being produced and sold every year is a clear sign that there are but technologies that don't require that? the use of toxic pesticides and still yeah. can produce an incredible amount of food. Now, I'm thinking about mass, and that's my field is the mass. Now, uh, when they want to mass produce the fruit and, and all the foods that go to the table, and with people can make it affordable, and especially today with what happened to the economic climate of life on this earth, and people are so much more concerned about how do they afford to feed their family, property of themselves, how, uh, what can be affordable. Are there other alternatives for the farmer to use uh, that is not as harsh as some of the chemicals you've been uh, finding? Definitely. What are they? Well, the whole, um, I mean, you're asking me what farmers can do to reduce pesticides. There are lots of resources for farmers um, who and people, even home gardeners, who want to use natural techniques to kill pests. Mm-hmm. And there are um, there's a strategy of integrated pest management where you're constantly focusing on the least toxic and least intensive mm-hmm. way of combating the pest at hand. There's ways of rotating crops, 
planting a um, more diverse group of crops. And Now, is irradiation becoming more common to protect people from the problems of, of disease? It's certainly a tactic that is being talked about instead of cleaning up some of the problems with industrial farming to nuke things or to irradiate them on the on the out on the way out the door right. as a final way to kill whatever could be there. So people can have safer food and not be so worried about all these diseases that are going on. Uh, yeah, the there are a lot of other ways that could be used. Oh, what are they? Um, you're this. You know, I, you asked me to speak about bisphenol A. And I'm actually not an organic farming guy. Oh, okay. Um, I apologize. So, okay, <laughs> so I I'd love to talk about bisphenol A in our remaining couple of okay, minutes. Okay, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, we, I didn't realize I'm your background. I'm sure you can find a great Okay, we'll go into that one. You want to tell us about your favorite subject, I guess. Oh, it is. Um, you know, we at Environmental Working Group have been working on um, raising awareness about this chemical. It's used in polycarbonate plastics. It's used in a lot of food packaging, and there has been a lot of movement. Now, is this the one they've been getting a lot of discussion with uh, bottled waters? Um, it's not used in the disposable bottled water that you might buy at the store. It was, uh, is and um, a popular plastic for reusable polycarbonate water bottles. And okay. until recently, com- major companies like bo- baby bottle manufacturers. Now, let's back up for t- a second then. I think that listeners heard something they may not have learned uh, the the plastic in the bottles that you purchase your bottled water at at the store is recyclable, but the ones that are reusable uh, that you take the big gallon jugs in, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and and you need to look carefully because when you um, yeah the big water um, containers that you would buy you know carboy size ten gallon water. Um, could be polycarbonate. They could also be other types of plastic, so it's important to ask. Or so what do they look for on the back? Where would it be on the back for them to see what type of... Uh, it's not always material. marked. Um, if you see a plastic recycling symbol, it would be in the number seven category, which is miscellaneous. Um, okay. Uh, if you see another that. number on it, then it's not polycarbonate, and you do not need to worry about the bisphenol A. Um, but also I'm thinking about drink bottles and popular Nalgene-type bottles, that people use. What about soda pot bottles and things like no. that? Uh, oh, plastic. so metal cans have metal this cans. lining. Um, so soda pop and beer cans would have um, some. Well, Sonia, what about cans like uh, what you buy your beans and Definitely. Soup. Um, almost all canned food, there's only one or two manufacturers who have stated that they don't use the Sonata and the lining of metal cans for food. So these are the, the exposures that people would have daily would be from mm-hmm. from food and food contact uh, materials. And the concern is really that this chemical is um, has a very potent hormone disruptor and would have lifetime effects. Um, I, Sonia, I was just thinking one day uh, I saw this person eating uh, uh, a, a can of uh, beans. And they literally were eating out of the can. They'd opened up the lid of the can. They took a spoon and dove into the, the can of beans. Wouldn't that disturb that too? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the beans spoon going around scraping the can or eaten in a um, bowl would have measurable amounts of BPA. Exactly. My organization has tested canned foods. We have a report um, on our website that discusses the different concepts. Now, what about babies? The babies' foods. Yeah, um, uh, baby foods often packaged in glass, but um, the small glass containers of baby food have bisphenol A in the lining of the metal lid, mm-hmm. um, and that can leach in. Uh, the concentrations appear to be somewhat lower than they would be in canned foods, but again, um, 
you know, with children being especially vulnerable to the What does a person do, Sonia, when you We would advise parents to really focus on limiting their use of baby. Sonia, what are a lot of people, have you guys studied what alternatives people could do to learn how to be safer, uh, knowing that there's all these different kinds of packaging components and different um, problems uh, that they didn't understand and maybe people are allergic to. I'm a believer that being no no two people alike in dehydration, and dehydration is causing uh, the reactions to people not uh, agreeing and being safe to what what they're using or what the packaging components or the medication or whatever it is. They can be allergic to it almost. Uh, um, What are they learning for people to be safeguarded? Is there something that they could, any detection, uh, um, some of the things that they can go, which website would they go and say, I will find the list to all these things so I can carry this around in my bag every day when I go out shopping and then I can look at it before I buy it? Um, Look at my list. Well, it depends on, again, you know, we're talking about lots of different issues all at once. If we ha- if people want to look at the Environmental Working Group website, which is www.ewg.org, they'll find um, all kinds of information about avoiding toxic chemical exposures. We have a tip sheet for uh, the healthy home, which tries to incorporate a lot of these different consumer product issues under the health tips section of our website. Now, on the health tips section, are there any typical symptoms that a person might, you know, not everybody in the family is affected. Uh, Like I've known people with water, uh, there's waters that people can be um, allergic to, certain types of drinking waters. Not everybody in the family is, but one person might be. Did you find any symptoms that they could learn to be watching for that maybe they had no idea that they were uh, was being affected after many years. Well, um, we're actually concerned that a lot of these health effects are subclinical, meaning that your average individual wouldn't necessarily even notice a change in their own body. And so we actually recommend certain things be avoided by all populations or we'll focus on women who are pregnant and their children mm-hmm. and give specific advice and, and urge you not to wait until you notice symptoms of a problem before you take action to avoid some of these toxic chemicals. I'm a believer of that. In fact, I was going to mention that today, uh, that proactiveness, uh, self-chosen lifestyles for your particular health to be on guard for and enjoy, make it a hobby. Actually, you probably do it yourself. It's kind of a way to uh, to be always aware and learning more. And don't listen to people's opinions. Go study what you've been listening to. And like after the shows, I always hope that people go and study more to learn all the issues and the different directions to go to learn more. So that when somebody has some subject to discuss with you, you can say, "I have studied that." But if you haven't studied it, you can say, you know, I haven't studied that. I'd like to study more about that. Everybody on the face of the globe should be doing that with their everyday life is learning. I think that a great place for then um, concerned listeners to start would be the health tips section of Environmental Working Group where you'll see, um, you know, the incorporated wisdom of all of the work that our toxics team has done, and Mm -hmm. it will cover a lot of the subjects we've talked about between avoiding pesticides, avoiding this chemical bisphenol A, um, and some healthy home tips that incorporate in indoor air quality and water. We have a safe drinking water guide. Um, you know, a bunch of things there that we've touched on today in our 
Yeah, you're probably doing around uh, as a group, uh, speaking to different groups. Are you invited to go into different organizations? I like, for, for example, like 4-H groups and youth groups and teach them because, Sonia, I'm a believer that children are the most important part of our globe. There's nothing, uh, every child is perfect. And if you start out with a child, teaching them from, from the youth, a group, organizations like yourselves or ours, that it becomes the kids are so hungry to learn that they can start new habits. Habits right there from the beginning of their life. So are you guys spending a lot of are your teams spending a lot of time with children? We actually are an advocacy organization, a research group, and we put together the materials that um, that give you know uh, mm-hmm. teachers, educators, and consume, concerned parents that information. We don't have materials targeted for children, but we'd encourage everyone who's listening to. Uh, to find our information and find ways to make it useful in their their. Time. Have you thought about targeting to children um, in their um, school systems? It's not part of our education? organization's mission, but we uh, certainly are focused acutely on the health of children, mm-hmm. protecting children through policy. Now, now, your your group is funded by how? We're a nonprofit organization. We're funded by charitable. Is it government funded? Individual donors, no government money. In, in, it's no government, all individual donors. Yes. Foundations and grants. Okay, you might mention sometime uh, the children. I'm a believer that they're so hungry to learn if you start with them young that their habits will form younger and they're very, uh, uh, we, we be, adults, we call ourselves, uh, would, are very vulnerable what kids are teaching us and what kids are practicing and, and for them to be healthy and grow up because a lot of these symptoms will sneak up on an adult because it started in childhood. Of course. Well, thank you. It's been fantastic talking with you today. Well, it's been very nice to talk with you. You tell everyone we said hello. Okay. Okay, you have a nice day, and I I wish you well with your mission. Thank you. Bye. Well, Sonia had a lot to teach us. Um, They're um, very busy with their research, uh, learning more about toxic exposures, and uh, um, they are, I, I believe, um, you can go to the website www.ewg.org and learn more about um, toxic exposures and your materials and uh, packaging components and more with the foods that surround your, uh, the food you're buying. So be sure and check them out and learn more about it for your own self, for your own personal life choices. That it's just like when the days. When, do you remember way back when, when the food companies were asked to put the um, content of the food source and the vitamins and what the, what the uh, ingredients were on the back of the uh, food? Uh, and then you, now you turn around to say how much protein it has, how much potassium it has, what is the vitamin C? And then you're looking at the ingredients. So today, do that with all of your products. Have fun and learn more about what, the, what is involved in the products that you're eating and involved with. I am a believer of, some, uh, of studying irradiation. I feel sorry for the farmers that have to spend so much money and time with the nature of our insects. And, and you would not have the foods on the table if, because the insects have their nature too. And uh, nature droughts. Look what's happening in California because of drought. And uh, the, the billions of dollars of loss. Uh, this year because of drought and the lack of water that they're not able to irrigate. So be thinking that way and learn more. 
and support those farmers out there and support your businesses because the more they learn to do things safer for you and you, you insist upon wanting things safer for you, uh, the better health we'll have on this on this family planet that we're living together. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, Nature Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eye without chemistry. No preservatives, all natural supplement to the eyes for dry eye. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Art Bernstein. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, Art. How are you today? Good morning. How are you, Sharon? Well, I am fine. I'm excited about the subject today, the Trinity Alps. Uh, 525,627 acres between uh, Eureka and Redding in Northern California. Yeah, it's the second largest wilderness area in California. Now, when we talk about wilderness area on the planet, uh, when we go out and compare the Trinity Alps, and I know you might be able to evaluate this. I don't mean you know it all. I didn't mean that. When you go out and compare the Trinity Alps wilderness area with the rest of the world, what would you compare it to? Anywhere else in the world? Um, good question. The Alps? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, yeah, you know what a wilderness is. It's an area set aside by Congress that has no roads and no towns and... Uh, at least 5,000 acres. So uh, the word wilderness means a designation. It doesn't mean that up in the Himalayan mountains is not wilderness. It just means... Well, that's what States. they call de facto wilderness. Okay, that's what but we want to learn. This is established by an act of the U.S. Congress, like a national park. Okay, so uh, when the word wilderness is used, that's in the United States, a, uh, a, a definition that has been designated for protection. Right. Because it has a wilderness. Now, if we go over to the Himalayan mountains, that's called de facto. De facto means it's a, it's, it's a, it is wilderness, 
but uh, it's not officially designated by the government. Okay. The government, I don't know, the government of Nepal and China, they do have national parks, Mm -hmm. but they don't have areas that they call wilderness areas. Okay, well, because their government doesn't define them as that way. Our government has a definition, right? So let's say, but let's do this before I go in to this, uh, the Trinity Alps. If the if the United States has designated a wilderness area, define that to, for our listeners. What's the responsibility to the government? It just uh, means it's, 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 it passes. The Congress passes a law enacting the wilderness, and there's no roads allowed, and there's no motorized vehicles allowed. Uh, you can't bring a chainsaw in it. You can't. Uh... That's why I was wondering when I was in the Trinity Alps two weeks ago. There was this huge concrete footbridge, concrete and steel. I mean, wondering whether how, you know how, if they got it in there all with hand tools on donkey back. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I, I just couldn't figure out how they would do this. Now like... let's go into this before we go into the beauty of nature. <laughs> yeah. Now, there, the wilderness uh, description for the, by the government, so the government will finance anything that has a wilderness uh, designation to it. But when you go, you're not supposed to have any uh, modern nothing, but they go in and put together these bridges. And then to, to be able to go legally in to, within the government's guidelines, you have to almost do it by donkey. Yes. Or by helicopter. And, and, and technically, and <laughs> when they clear trails, they do it with a bow saw and not with a, not with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But I don't know how closely they follow that. Well, I know. It, it was an interesting... Uh, They're also not supposed to have distances on the trail signs. Hmm. And almost all of them do. Well, you know, yeah. that goes back to being common sense, too. Common sense is to protect our wilderness, to protect our earth. Common sense is to make it enjoyable and uh, share it with the planet, our people and everything, for, for it to last forever. And putting in a footbridge is nothing wrong. I think it's wonderful for people to pass and go on. And then yeah, all but it's actually you know, kind of counterproductive because it's, it's still a, a, a selling thing. Mm-hmm. You want good trailheads that are easy to get to, and you want trails that people like to use. Mm-hmm. So you're still having to sell it to people, even though it's wilderness. Right, exactly. And so you've, kind you've of done a, a lot of hiking, there. and for you to go out, and you've learned a lot. Uh, that is true. What, what you mean by selling it to people, in other words, encourage them to want to enjoy going out into the nature. Yeah, like the national parks. You know, Crater Lake gets a lot of money because a lot of people come and visit it. Support it. If nobody visited, they, if they had less people visiting it, they'd get less money. And, if, and, and I guess they wouldn't support, uh, go in to visit if there weren't modern facilities uh, to go to the bathroom places and different safety reasons to know whereabouts you are with signs and distances and Trails. Yeah, so wilderness areas end up the same thing. Exactly. You know, the more uh, the Trinity Alps gets a lot of visitors, you know, like hundreds of thousands a year. Well, let's go into the trails. Trinity Alps. It's one of my favorite subjects and the Six Rivers National Forest area. Uh, tell us about what, what happened. Why did they call it the Trinity Alps? Did you ever run into that? I was sort of wondering about that. Uh, oh, you don't know. <laughs> Well, there's a Trinity River, and that obviously has uh, religious implications. Uh-huh. And that runs through Northern California. It starts up 
actually in the Trinity Alps, and there's this area of very high, jagged mountains um, in now, the middle the of the wilderness the area. Peak? That's the actual Trinity Alps. What's the highest peak le- uh, height? 9,000 feet, been there. Uh, and is there snow there in the winter? Uh, no, it's got uh, one of the few active glaciers in the coastal ranges. Mm-hmm. So there's a 40-acre lake, and there's a 300-foot waterfall coming out of the lake mm-hmm. into this big meadow mm-hmm. over a cliff. And then uh, above that is this glacier, and then above that is uh, Mount Thompson, mm-hmm. which is 9,002 feet or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was established in 1984? 1984, yeah. Although I first started hiking in what is now the Trinity House Wilderness in 1970. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the Trinity House Wilderness then. Now, have you written uh, in your books about it? I absolutely have. Mm-hmm. I think it's out of print. Uh, 1993, so Mountain and Air Books. What did you find, Art, that was fascinating to you, the nature of these particular Trinity Alps? Is there a nature to them that you found uh, very unusual? They're absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's a huge, vast wilderness. And even the area where people go, that's just a tiny little corner of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it fans out into the Salmon Mountains, and you could spend your entire life exploring the Salmon Mountains. Or it fans out into the Scott Mountains, and they're still inside the Trinity Alps. Now, around the world... Yeah, there's entire watersheds, uh, like the Upper New River, mm-hmm. that have no trails. Mm-hmm. And it's like hundreds of thousands of acres and not a single trail. Now, no are, do they have a, uh, a lodge, or do they have the U.S. Forest Service... Uh, sites that they can go and and check in and get a map and go out for uh, hiking and enjoying. Yeah, there's established trails and there's established trailheads that you can drive Mm -hmm. to and then uh, in the wilderness there's nothing. Mm -hmm. There's uh, campsites uh, but those are they're not maintained. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where would a person go to the web to learn more about the Trinity Alps. Let's say they love to go camping with their family, and they're coming from wherever, and they would like to learn travel and go to these locations and spend a day or camp. Where would they go to find it? Is there a particular website? Uh, I would look up Trinity National Trinity Forest Alps, and then National Forest. Trinity Alps Wilderness. Okay, just type that in okay. on Google. Yeah. Yeah. Or, okay. or Yahoo. I use okay. Google. Now, tell us a little bit about you've got on here. It says private land. Uh, about 4,000 acres of it is in private land? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure where that is, but like the Calmeopsis Wilderness has uh, a clause that allows mining. So there are roads inside of the Calmeopsis Wilderness to these old uh, chromium mines. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does the, the Trinity have mining too? I don't think so. Okay. What they do have that bothers me, frankly, is grazing permits. For for cows and... Yeah, so you can, uh, I mean, you'd be up uh, 10 miles up a trail in the Trinity Alps Wilderness in this beautiful alpine meadow by a creek with high mountains all around, mm-hmm. and there's always cows mm-hmm. going to the bathroom all over the place and uh, moving all night long, and it's just, mm-hmm. it gets really aggravating, but somehow the... Uh, Cattle ranchers have a very strong lobby, mm-hmm. and they've never been able to get this removed from the original Wilderness Act. We only have one more minute left on this subject, and we'll do this one again 
tell me, uh, how would you like to tell people around the world about Trinity Elves? What's one of your favorite things about it? Uh, just some of those beautiful trails, I think, anywhere in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the trail to Morris Meadows by Sawtooth Ridge to Emerald and Sapphire Lake. There is nothing more beautiful than that, and it's a 14-mile hike. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad they it's preserved. Well, I want to thank you. And tell them about your books. Where do they go to find uh, your natural... Uh, uh, look up Art Bernstein online at Amazon.com. Art Bernstein is B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, Art yeah. Bernstein. Okay. Well, we'll pick out another subject. Art, you one of my favorite things uh, to do is your favorite subjects because you've been hiking and you love nature, and I do too, and the listeners obviously do too, or they wouldn't like our Yeah, show. we should mention that this is the 40th consecutive summer that I've hiked in the Trinity Alps. That's right. I forgot about that. There was quite a story written about you on that recently in our local newspaper in the Grants Pass Daily Courier. Okay, well, yeah, thank you. that was you. fun. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Good to talk to you. Thanks, and I'll talk to you. Bye. Well, around the world, listeners, there's something happening, and I think it's going to be a trend. When you get up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground, remember, you are special. You live here on this earth, you, the person. And you came from a special part of nature. And nature with you begins to move moment to moment. And remember how healthy you must be. And think about how if you're healthy, thinking healthy, have a good attitude, be confident that you can accomplish anything you desire. Because Earth does have a secret. Embrace your life. Every precious moment, it belongs to you. Don't do anything to anyone else. This is belonging to you. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye, because if you leave a footprint, that means something special has happened, and nobody will ever forget how important you were to this Earth to live in this universe. I want to thank you for listening, and have a nice day. Bye. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 